This is Steve Thompson, and today we're reading Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 10. Paul went first to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. Timothy was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium, so Paul wanted him to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged for Timothy to be circumcised before they left, for everyone knew that his father was a Greek. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. That we in verse 10 is an indicator that Luke, the author of this book, has now joined them and has first-hand experience of what's about to follow. You might recall that last week we talked about the seismic shift created by the believers gathered in Jerusalem. They definitively declared that no one would need to become Jewish or enter into any Jewish covenants or laws in order to become a follower of Jesus. Circumcision was the commitment to the previous covenant. The new covenant would be sealed by repentance, belief, and baptism. A big difference, huh? So, a few chapters ago, Paul was laying his life on the line to prevent Gentiles who were coming to Jesus from having to be circumcised. So, what in the world is he doing now making Timothy get circumcised? Well, it comes down to the very same principle that we arrived at last week, taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul's life was not his own, and he would go to any length, short of sinning, to make it easier for someone to come to Jesus. In fact, he would do anything to tear down obstacles impeding anyone from coming to Jesus. He had a missiological bias. He understood God's heart for reaching all people. Here, Paul wanted Timothy to come with them on their journey, but knowing the culture, knowing how people thought, he didn't want his Jewish brothers and sisters to get hung up on the fact that he was traveling with an uncircumcised Gentile. It would just be an unnecessary obstacle to have to explain. And Timothy agreed. So I simply pose the question, how far would you go? to tear down obstacles for your family and your friends who don't know Jesus to possibly come to him.
I continued to routinely ask God for more and more of his heart of compassion. Moving on to the second part of what we read uh, poses a different question. What do we do when we don't feel like God is leading at all? Paul and Silas felt like they knew where God was leading them, but then he somehow prevents them from entering Asia, and then later, Bithynia. In other words, they traveled for several hundred miles on this mission from God. This could easily have taken weeks, the better part of a month, and all they were running into was closed doors. We have no idea how God was communicating with them whether it was prophetic insight or just circumstances. What we do know is that the end result was frustration that could have easily spelled team-building disaster. But instead, Paul finally gets a vision that would tell them where the Spirit, Spirit is leading them to next. How many of us spend quality time wandering around the edge of Turkey, though? No, not literally the geographical place of Turkey like they were. But we were heading through life. We feel like we're headed in the right direction. We feel a sense of calling and God leading. But suddenly, we're not sure where to go next. A door shuts here. A window closes there. God is definitely inviting us into something new. But the only message we seem to be getting is, wait, not yet. Or, no, not, not this one. I'm a part of a discipleship group that practices listening to God and doing what he says. And last week, he led us all to go to North Ottawa Community Hospital for a little while. But beyond that, there wasn't any clear direction. Now, I'm a pastor, so generally I'm totally cool with running to the hospital to stop in and see someone who unfortunately had to spend some quality time there. But it's really weird to just wander around the halls asking God why he has you there when you don't know anybody in the building. As a matter of fact, if you are ever in a place like that and you look a little purposeless, at best, someone's going to stop you and ask you if you need help. And the answer is clearly yes, because you're just looking around but you have no idea what kind of help to ask for and you don't have a good explanation for what you're doing, so you just feel like running away. And at worst, that someone is just going to call security on you. Um, Thankfully, that didn't happen. But every person in our group had a different experience that I have no doubt was exactly intended by God. But we never would have had any of those if we hadn't shown up if we hadn't taken that first step of obedience. For me, I had two pretty cool conversations. The first one just happened to be a watermarker who was in the waiting room waiting for their spouse to get out of surgery. I had no idea they were there, but I got to pray with them in that moment. And then I kept wandering around (laughs) and I happened to go into another waiting room on a different floor where there happened to be a guy sitting on the edge of his seat, nervously fidgeting with his Dr. Pepper can. And I walked in, but then I walked right back out and acted like I didn't find what I was looking for in there. But once I got into the hallway, I stopped. I took a deep breath, and as I exhaled, I asked God, what do you want me to do right now? 
and nothing really came except I just felt like I needed to go back in there. So I did, and I extremely awkwardly asked if there was anything that I could pray for him about. And for the next 20 minutes, we talked about life, health, God, church, prayer, and we prayed a couple of times. Now, I don't know what will come out of that 20 minutes, if anything. But if anything does come out of it, I guarantee it wouldn't have if I hadn't just said, okay, let's do this, and shown up. I don't say any of that to take any credit for anything. I share that story because I know what it's like to not have any clue where God is leading or why you happen to be there. What I can tell you is that you still take that step of obedience. And when you get there, listen. Look for the opportunity that God has right in front of you. It might be a vision in the night, or it could just be the person sitting right next to you. Dad in heaven, I know you very rarely lay out much more than a few steps. And sometimes you do ask us to just be still and wait. But I ask that in both of those places, that you give each of us the courage to listen and to ask the right questions. Give us the insight to either be still and quiet or to speak and encourage. Open our eyes to the opportunities that you have for us today and fill our hearts with the compassion that compels you to go to the ends of the earth to invite people back to you. I ask for that on behalf of all of us. In Jesus' name, amen.